worshiping with you this morning, and as Pastor Rick said in his greeting, if you're new with us online, you're just finding Hope Church, welcome. So glad uh, to be sharing this time of worship with you. I'm Jeff Bills, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Church, and we're just excited to uh, have you as a part of our online campus this morning. So last week, uh, President Joe Biden did a town hall meeting and one of the people in the audience asked President Biden this question. When are things going to get back to normal? And it's the question we're all asking, right? When is this all gonna end? When do we get back our lives? When do our kids go back to school? When do we stop wearing masks and being socially distanced? When can I have people in my house? When can I go to a restaurant and not feel like I have to be afraid or to a sporting event or to a concert, to church? When are things going to get back to normal? I have a different question, though, that I want to ask this morning. And that's this, what will normal look like after the pandemic? Will your life be any different? Will things look any different in your life for you personally? Everybody's asking this question, I think. Companies are asking this question. Organizations are asking this question. The church is asking, as, asking this question. What will it look like post-pandemic? Here at Hope, among leadership folks, we're asking three specific things in this area. One, what are the things that we stop doing that we'll start doing as soon as we're able? Of course, in-person worship is first on the list. As soon as we can, we wanna be back together in person. That's one of the things that we'll, we'll be doing again. What are the things that we've stopped doing that we won't start doing again? And <clears throat> what are those things that we've started to do that we'll keep doing after the pandemic. And of course, one of the easy answers for us here at Hope Church on that is we're gonna continue online worship. So for those folks who live out of state or aren't able to uh, come physically here to this campus or for whatever reason have found the online experience working for them, we're gonna continue to do that long after the pandemic. So those are the things that it looks like for us. But what about for you personally? What are the things that you're looking forward to starting again? What are those things that you've stopped doing that you're not gonna go back to? And what are those things that maybe you started to do and you wanna keep doing them? Are you looking at 2020 as just a giant pause a huge interruption in your life, and then you're gonna go back and do everything the way that you were doing it before? Or is this an opportunity for what we're calling in this new series, a reset? A time to reorder, a time to readjust, to reorient. Over the next several weeks, and even beyond that, we're going to consider 
a reset, resetting our lives toward discipleship with Jesus. So about 10 years ago or so, I was at a large conference and one of the key speakers, keynote speakers, was a pastor of a mega church, one of the largest churches in the country, a very prominent church in the country, and uh, this uh, pastor was sharing with us the story of his going to that church and joining that staff and how daunting it was and a little intimidating. And so he said that in those early days, he called one of his mentors. The mentor's name was Dallas Willard. Some of you may recognize that name. For those of you who don't know Dallas Willard, he was, uh, he's since passed away, but he was a professor of philosophy at the University of Southern California. But perhaps even more significant, he authored a number of best-selling and important books on the topic of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so this pastor, feeling a little overwhelmed by this new position, calls his mentor, Dallas Willard, on the phone to ask him, what do you think I should be doing? What should I be paying attention to? So he calls his mentor and he asks that question and he said there was a long pause on the other end. And after that long pause, Dallas Willard said these words. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And he thought, oh, that's really good. And he wrote that down on his pad of paper and said, all right, that was great. What else? And another long pause. And Dallas Willard answered, that's it. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. What if that was our reset? What if this idea of ruthlessly eliminating hurry from our lives was going to be the reset from our experience of the past year? I suspect that for some of you, the reaction that you have to that is, yeah, I wish, you know, like I'm as busy now as I've ever been and uh, so it sounds nice, but I don't see it. For others of you, the response may be, yeah, maybe someday that'd be great. This is not the time, the situation, the circumstances of my life won't allow that, but yeah, I'd like to get there. And for some of you, frankly, the response might be, I have no interest in that. I like being busy. I like, you know, things, lots of things going on and lots of moving parts and, you know, the old saying about uh, the devil using idle hands and so forth, and so I have no interest. Of all of the things that Dallas Willard could have said to that pastor in that moment, why that? Why was that the thing to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from his life? The simple answer is that hurry is making us sick. Hurry is making us sick. Physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. 
I mean, think about it. Hurry is making us physically sick. Over the past five decades, we Americans work more hours per week, take less vacation, sleep less, drink more coffee and alcohol, and live with higher levels of stress and anxiety than we have in the previous five decades. There is a phrase, a, a phrase called hurry sickness that's been out in the culture for some time. Hurry sickness. This phrase was coined not by a psychologist, not by some self-help guru, but by a cardiologist by the name of Dr. Meyer Friedman. Dr. Friedman, seeing among his patients this hurry sickness, as he called it. Dr. Meyer, uh, Dr. Friedman also coined another phrase or identified another group of people from his practice that he called people with type A personality. And these people that he noticed with what he called type A personality had some things in common. They were always in a hurry, they were chronically angry, and they were more prone to heart attack than his other patients. Type A personality, hurry sickness, coined by Dr. Freeman in the 1950s. Imagine how much worse it is today. Hurry, sickness affects us physically, but not just physically. It affects us mentally. Our mental health is affected. When you're always in a hurry, when you feel like you're always behind, there's always so much more to do. I can never catch up. It's never enough. That stress and that anxiety begins to work on your mental health as well. It affects, hurry sickness affects your relational life as well. When you are living with this kind of hurried sickness, when we live with hurried sickness, people in our lives are either on board with what I'm trying to do or they're in my way. Think about that, right? People in the grocery store, in the line ahead of you, are not helping you. So you're anxious because they're in your way and they're moving too slow and they're not doing it right. People on the road, in cars ahead of you, are always doing it wrong. They're in your way. And we bring that same attitude too often, I think, into our homes and those relationships as well. Listen to this. We cannot be in a hurry and love the people in our lives. You may appreciate people in your life, especially if they're helping you accomplish what you need to accomplish, but that's not love. First Lady Barbara Bush, wife of the first George Bush president, 
First Lady Barbara Bush was giving a speech to a group of uh, powerful, successful women in Washington, D.C. during uh, the time that her husband was president. And in that speech, she said something that I think is instructive to us even today. She said this, at the end of your life, you will not regret passing one more test or winning one more verdict or making one more deal. You will regret time not spent with a husband, a child, a parent, a friend. She was offering a warning to people who were living their life in a hurry. There's one other effect of hurry sickness. You cannot love God and live your life in a hurry. Man, I don't know about you, but I experienced this too many times in my life when I'm living my life in a hurry. One of the first things to go out of my life is the time that I spend in my relationship with God. We, friends, are addicted to a hurried life. Believing that it's normal. We believe that living our lives in a hurry makes us more successful, makes us more in control, or we have just come to believe that there's no other way to live life. Jesus offers an alternative, an alternative way to live, a better way to live, the way of Jesus, I think I would describe now, is a vaccine to hurry sickness. We saw the words of Jesus uh, just a few moments ago from Matthew's gospel. I want to read those words to you again. I'm gonna read them a little bit slowly and it might drive you crazy, you know, because, hey, hurry up, <laughs> But listen slowly. Let the words of Jesus fill your soul like a vaccine. Are you tired, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you.
Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Man, doesn't that sound great? Jesus here isn't offering a self-help thing. It's not 10 easy steps to a better you kind of program. And it's certainly not more religion. Jesus is offering you himself. His offer is this. Get your life back. Experience real rest. Discover the unforced rhythm of grace. I love that. The unforced rhythm of grace. Living freely and lightly. No more hurry sickness. It's the vaccine. He's offering himself and he's offering an invitation to follow him. His way, his truth, his life. In effect, Jesus is saying, come and be my apprentice. Now, just to be clear, an unhurried life is not an unproductive or uneventful kind of life. Jesus did not live his life sitting on a park bench feeding pigeons and writing the Bible. He traveled extensively. He taught. He argued with religious leaders. He healed the sick. He went to parties. He mentored 12 direct reports. He drew enormous crowds wherever he went. And he literally changed the world. Oh, and did all of that in three years. An unhurried life is not an uneventful life. Far from it. It is life that brings health. And healthy people are far more productive, far more active, far more effective than sick people. Physical health, mental health, relational health, spiritual health, as we follow in the way of Jesus. So what will your normal look like in a post-COVID world? Are you ready for a reset? Are you wanting to apprentice under Jesus and learn the unforced rhythms of life to live freely 
and lightly in this world. Now, for some of you, this may be a brand new idea. You never thought of Christianity as a relationship with Jesus. It's always just been religion for you. So this idea of of following Jesus, of apprenticing with Jesus is a new idea. And I can tell you that as you embrace it, you are in for a great awakening. If you've been following Jesus in the past, but have kind of gotten off track, your reset may be about a reconnecting with Jesus, getting back to his way, to his truth, to his life, and to experience renewal. And for those of you who may be faithfully following right now, you are fully engaged in a discipling life, an apprenticing life with Jesus. Maybe your reset will be reprioritizing so that you can take whatever next step that the Holy Spirit has for you to take. So friends, in the coming weeks, when you hear the question, as I'm sure you will, when will things get back to normal? I hope what will come into your mind is the question, what will my new normal look like? Am I ready for a reset? Am I ready to live my life under the guidance and direction of Jesus? We're gonna explore what that looks like more in the weeks ahead, and I hope that you're gonna be a part of that. So as we close out this time of worship this morning, I wanna close, as I did last week, offering you this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace this day and throughout this week.